Mark 1, verses 1 to 40 to 45. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So far, our reading of our text. Brothers and sisters, uh, about a hundred years ago, a man named Paul Brand was growing up in India with his father, who was both a doctor and a missionary. And, and Paul has many writings about his time there with his parents. And to Paul, his father was a real-life hero. In his writings, Paul describes his father as a, a kind and a generous man, uh, always joking and bantering with his patients always willing to do whatever he could to help anyone who came to him in need. But one day, three men approached the clinic, and his father started acting very strange. This time, there was no joking. Instead, Dr. Brand became very serious. He wouldn't let his children watch him work like they usually did. Instead, they were rushed into the house. But Paul snuck out and watched his father through the bushes anyway. Paul saw that these men were bandaged like many of the regular patients, but something was very different. Their skin was thick and discolored. Their ears and their nose were sunken in. For the first time ever, Paul thought his dad seemed almost hesitant. He seemed scared. His dad told the men that there wasn't very much that he could do, but he assured them he would do what he could. Even then, he kept his distance. When he had to touch them, he would only do so with gloves on. His father changed the men's bandages, and as he did, Paul saw the the men's stiff hands covered with open wounds. Their skin looked grotesque and infected. Fingers and toes were missing. And yet they didn't wince or cry out as his father dressed their sores. Paul had saw that the men brought a fruit basket as a gift, but as soon as the three men had left, his mother burned it which was an unheard of act of waste for this poor family. The family was ordered to stay far away from where these men had been, and then they were told why. Those three men had leprosy, a contagious disease that was destroying their nerves. They had come from a long, long way looking for care. It was difficult for them to find someone who was able to help them, and even harder to find someone who is willing to help them. Likewise, in our passage today, a leper comes to Jesus. And when he approaches Jesus, we should gasp. Jesus had just been showing himself to be a great teacher and a great healer. And when he, and, but the question in this passage is, how would he respond to a leper? By what God's grace, what we see so powerfully and beautifully in this passage is that Jesus is willing and able 
to cleanse. And we'll explore this text in three parts. First of all, we'll see the need of cleansing. Secondly, the act of cleansing. And then thirdly, the result of cleansing. The first of all, the need of cleansing. And as we need to remember back to the beginning of Mark, as we heard last week, Jesus had sort of just burst onto the scene in Mark after 30 years of living in relative obscurity. And Jesus has just begun a spiritual battle. In his baptism, he joined our ranks, and immediately he went and was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And he, unlike Israel, unlike Adam and Eve, unlike us, he was victorious. But what really got people's attention was what Jesus did after that. If you read on in Mark chapter 1, Jesus started going out and reversing many of the effects of sin in this world. He began healing people with many various diseases. He even started casting out demons. And so, of course, as we read in Mark 1, verse 28, at once Jesus' fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. Because, of course, it did. And by God's grace, the reports of Jesus also reached the ears of a leper. And so this leper goes and seeks Jesus out, hoping to, as we read in our passage, be cleansed. And I wonder if you noticed that word as we read our text, cleansing. It's an interesting word choice, isn't it? The man is a leper. He has a dreaded physical disease. What he desperately needs is healing, right? Yet the word that the text uses over and over again is cleansing. That's because for a leper, we need to realize their physical disease wasn't the worst part of having leprosy. In fact, in Bible times, the word leprosy referred to a very broad range of skin conditions. We read how they would diagnose it earlier in Leviticus chapter 13. It ranged from very serious ones, like the ones we heard in our introduction, but also from ones that were just barely more than a rash. And Luke, in his account, does tell us that this man in particular was full of leprosy. So that indicates it was likely a severe case. But even for this man, the physical symptoms of his disease were not the worst part. It wasn't the sores. It wasn't the fact that there was no cure at the time apart from an eventual death. Far worse than the physical disease was the social disease. Leprosy resulted in social death years or even decades before physical death. And that's why the leper approaches Jesus and asks not just to be healed, but to be cleansed. As we read in Leviticus chapter 13, when you were diagnosed with leprosy, you were declared unclean under the religious law in the Old Testament. The leprous person then had to tear their clothes and leave their hair unkempt as if they were in mourning. When they walked or limped from place to place, they had to cover the lower part of their face and cry out everywhere they went, unclean, unclean, to warn others to stay far away from them. And since they were unclean, lepers also had to be separated from the people of God. They had to live out alone, we read, outside of the camp. And it's hard to imagine living with this sort of a death sentence, isn't it? Not only do you have a dreaded physical disease and any pain and comfort, discomfort that may come with it, but you're also torn from your home, from your friends and your family. You're left to live your life as an outcast. And yet even more tragic than the physical disease and the social disease was the spiritual disease. Lepers were, in a sense, cut off from God as well. 
They couldn't attend the feasts with the other Israelites. They couldn't offer sacrifices. They couldn't even enter the temple, the place where God dwelled with his people. Actually, leprosy was seen by many as a curse from God. People looked at lepers as unclean, not just on the outside, but on the inside as well. And so, think of this leper again. This leper comes to Jesus longing for help. Not just that he might heal his physical disease, but his social and spiritual disease as well. Not that he would just cure him, but that he would make him clean. So he could go back to his house, back to his family, back into the presence of his God. And this is so important for us to understand if we're going to get this passage. Because just picture this man for a moment. Picture his disheveled hair, his torn clothes, his broken skin. He was unclean and outcast, alienated from men and from God. It's hard to even imagine this man, isn't it? We need to realize that throughout the Bible, this man is a picture of you. This man is a picture of me. In the Bible, leprosy is given as a picture of the defiling nature of our sin. It's a picture of what sin does to the human race. Looking at this man, we should see a picture of ourselves internally. Our nerves are calloused, we read elsewhere in Scripture. Our hearts are hard and in feeling to the truth due to sin. We walk around in the filthy rags of our own works. By nature, we're outcasts. We're alienated from each other. We're alienated from God because of the sin raging through our bodies. We're alive, but we don't truly live. By nature, we're told we're dead in our trespasses and sin. Apart from a miracle from heaven, our disease is a death sentence, now and forever. And so, we should learn from this leper. We need to realize that just like for him, also for you, Also for me. What we need is not just to be healed, but to be cleansed. We very often forget this. So often we're essentially looking for healing, in a sense. We're looking for God to deal with the physical, the outward effects of our sins. We're more concerned with that than with him addressing our hearts. Often we're essentially looking for solutions to our physical problems. And recently, uh, a week or two ago, I was reading a book on prayer that was really trying to impress this point. The author is trying to encourage people to grow in their spiritual lives, and so encouraging them to, to pray the way that we see prayers in the Bible. And so he considers what he says most Christians, like us, even myself, praying for, and compares it to what is being prayed for in God's, world, uh, God's Word. Often we pray for Solutions to the effects of sin around us in our jobs, in our families, even in our own lives, in our own neighborhoods. But what he wants us to address is our hearts. Often we hardly pray at all because we're just too busy with the the physical stuff. We can't even muster up the care about the spiritual stuff to pray. But when we do pray, we spend most of our time praying about our physical lives, not our spiritual lives. And anyway, I wanted to bring this up because the author shows his point very clearly just with one devastating quote, one that convicted me, one that rocked me to my core. In order to prove that uh, we focus on the outward effects of sins rather than the inward ones, he, he mentioned this quote. He says that as Christians, 
We devote far more prayer energy to keeping physically sick believers out of heaven than spiritually sick people out of hell. Isn't that true? Isn't that devastating? In our prayer life, we can pray to God about anything that's on our heart, and he will listen, and he cares. He wants us to cast all of our anxieties on him. Well, what's causing us our anxiety? Because often we focus on the outward effects of sin and how it's disturbing our lives, and we just want a little bit of help, a little cure for some of these problems. And we neglect the fact that what we need, what our children need, what our, what our neighbor needs most of all, isn't a little, bit of, a little bit of help, a little bit of healing. What they need most is deep internal cleansing. This leper, on the other hand, unlike us, we can learn from him. Because he seems to understand his deepest problems, not just the physical disease, but the spiritual symbol behind it. This man comes asking not just for healing, but for cleansing. This is good news for us. Because this leper, a lot like you and me, he limps towards our Savior. He kneels down before Jesus. And notice what he says. He says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He says, if you are willing, not if you are able. Because this man believes without a doubt Jesus is able to heal him. And that is amazing. Because true leprosy was seen as being impossible to cure for anyone but God. But this leper is absolutely convinced that however powerful his disease is, this man, Jesus, is a more powerful Savior. So the leper comes up to him, convinced that he is able to heal him, able to cleanse him. Yet the leper also comes with some doubts. He was convinced that Jesus was able to help, but the big question remained, would Jesus be willing to help someone like him? We can see the answer in the act of cleansing, our second point. We need to realize this is a very real question. How will Jesus respond? Because this man is taking a huge risk. Remember, he's supposed to remain isolated. And yet, he walks right up to Rabbi Jesus. So what will Jesus do? Some rabbis would go to great lengths to stay far away from lepers. They would actually hide from them. There are stories of at least one rabbi who when he would see a leper coming near, would pick up stones and throw them at the leper to drive them away. So what about our rabbi? What will he do? Well, Jesus looked down on this poor, unclean man. And we read in our text, in verse 41, Jesus was moved with pity. Moved with pity. That means to have a deep feeling of compassion churning inside of you. For Jesus, this sight of this poor man was gut-wrenching. His heart throbbed with pity for this man. So you can see so powerfully uh, this compassion and what Jesus does next. Picture this leper kneeling down before Jesus in the dust, unsure whether he will heal him or leave him or turn on him and drive him away. What does Jesus do? We read in our text. He reaches out his hand and he touches him. For the first time in who knows how long, this man feels someone touch him. Jesus sees this revolting figure 
And he doesn't recoil from him. He doesn't step back in shock. Jesus is moved with compassion to draw even closer to this man instead. We need to realize Jesus didn't have to do this. Jesus is the man who we'll read about later. He, with a word, commanded the winds and the waves to be still, and they listened. Just with a word. He doesn't have to touch this man. Jesus wants to reach out and touch him. This is reinforced in what Jesus says as well. Jesus, of course, he could have just said, be clean, but that's not what he says, is it? What does he say? He reassures the man. He says in verse 41, I will be clean. Jesus wants to reassure the man, I am willing to help you. Immediately, Mark tells us, when Jesus does this, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And this should blow us away. Because the healing, of course, is astounding. But so much more than that, under the law of Moses, this was unheard of. I hope you can remember back maybe to our, our sermon series on Haggai. We heard about the nature of cleanness and uncleanness. Is holiness contagious? I hope you're all saying in your heads, no, Pastor Tim. Is uncleanness contagious? Absolutely it is. Here we see something remarkable. Not so with Jesus With Jesus Christ, it is his cleanness that is contagious. He can extend it to others. His power to make clean is more powerful even than the leper's ability to defile. Jesus can not only heal the physical results of sin, but he can cleanse the defilement of sin as well. Here at the beginning of Mark, we see a remarkably powerful Messiah. And to our joy, we see he's not just remarkably powerful, he's remarkably kind. And compassionate, too. Dane Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, describes this very beautifully. He says, imagine for a second a compassionate doctor. One sort of like Dr. Brand, who we heard about earlier. Imagine this doctor has traveled far, deep into the jungle to provide medical care for people with a horrible, contagious disease. He's diagnosed the problem. He's come with a cure and with all his own equipment. And he's just there for one reason. He's only there to help these people who need help. But as this doctor seeks to provide care, every person he approaches refuses. For weeks or months, all the people stay away. They decide they want to take care of themselves instead. Then finally, after months, a few brave men come forward to finally receive the doctor's care freely being offered to them. Imagine, what would the doctor feel? Revolted by these sick people coming to him? No. The doctor would feel overjoyed. The more sick people who come to him for healing, the sicker the people that come to him for healing, the more joyful he is. This is what he came to do. And that's what we see here in this passage as well. When this man who is physically, socially, and spiritually revolting comes to Jesus, is Jesus repulsed? Of course not. He wants to draw near. He wants to help. Because this is exactly what the Son of God himself came to earth to do. And what good news that is for us. We can trust that Jesus doesn't get frustrated when we come to him plagued by our sin, desperate for forgiveness again. We were just desperate for forgiveness yesterday. 
But Jesus doesn't get flustered when we come to him with distress and with need. Jesus knows we need these things. That's why he came. He came down to earth, and more than that, he went through the horror of death in order to provide boundless mercy and grace for those who believe in him. Boundless mercy and grace for you and for me. And when we come seeking that mercy and grace, why would we ever fear that maybe, maybe this time Jesus will hold back? This is what Jesus loves to do. Our God tells us he delights in showing mercy. Jesus, he won't run from us. He won't hide. He won't drive us away, certainly. He'll be so happy to have us come. So when we see our sin and our weakness and the sin of the law and law leave us crying out like a leper, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The answer is clear. We should limp over to Jesus as filthy as we are, kneel before him in the dust and say, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. That's just what this leper did. And when, that's when he discovered that Jesus wasn't like the other rabbis. He is different. He is able to cleanse. And he's as willing as he is able. He's as merciful and loving as he is holy and powerful. And so finally, we see the result of cleansing. The first result is clear. The leprosy retreats of his body and he's healed. And yet there's more to the story, isn't there? Suddenly and dramatically, we see in verse 43 that Jesus changes his tone. We see in verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. Isn't that a shocking part of the story? Uh, Especially because Jesus gives him a command as he sends him away. He says, see that you say nothing to everyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus sends him away sternly, The sense is almost with anger. And he tells him not to tell anybody about this, only to show himself to the priests. It seems like Jesus should want the news to spread far and wide. But at this point, Jesus doesn't. Jesus realizes that if news about this gets out, people will come to him for healing. And when they come to him for healing, they'll interrupt his work. We see in verse 38 of this passage, right before our text for today, verse 38, a large crowd of people came to Jesus. They came to see miracles. They came to be healed. And this is Jesus' response. He says to his disciples, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And so Jesus reveals here that he has a battle. A battle not just with physical uh, diseases, but with spiritual diseases as well. What Jesus longs to do is preach his message of cleansing, eternal cleansing from sin in his own name. He came not just to address the symptoms of sin, but to bring us back to God by his death and resurrection. What we read in our passage for today is this is what Jesus tells this man to do, to keep quiet and tell nobody anything. But instead, the man goes out And he tells everybody everything. And uh, unfortunately, as this happened, the the, the man goes out and spreads around the news publicly and completely disobeys the command of Jesus Christ, the one who just healed him. And on the one hand, this is very shocking because it seems to us like the very least this man could have done 
to thank Jesus for what he did was obey his commands. But instead, he completely ignores them. But if we think that, we need to be very careful, don't we? Because likewise for us, Jesus has washed us clean. He's cleansed us inside and out. And so it's true, the least we can do is listen to Jesus. But don't we also disobey his commands all the time? Maybe not quite as shocking as we'd like to think it is that people immediately disobey. More than that, imagine how difficult this command would have been to listen to. Don't get me wrong, you should have listened to it. But imagine how hard it would have been to keep this command. This man had just been healed dramatically. Something he he probably had pretty much no help for before he heard of and met Jesus. But And so when this man goes out and he runs into friends, when he runs into other sick people, when he runs into other lepers, how could he not burst forth in excitement? How could he not burst out in praise for Jesus? How could he see these sick people and not tell them where to go for healing? Again, we need to be careful because it's more shocking that we don't tell people where they can go for spiritual healing than this man does tell people where to go for physical healing. But as a result, we see this turns out quite badly. As a result, many people flocked to Jesus. They came for healing and they came to see miracles, not to listen to his preaching. Not only that, soon after this, as you can see if you continue reading through Mark, the priests and the teachers of the law begin to oppose Jesus as a lawbreaker. And so as a result of this healing, Jesus' preaching ministry was hampered. Jesus had just said, like we said, right before this text, what he intended to do was go from town to town preaching. But now, at the end of our text, in verse 45, what we read is that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. That, brothers and sisters, is the great irony, but the beautiful truth also of our text. By Jesus' grace and compassion, now at the end of our passage, what can the leper do? The leper can go into town. The leper can go into the city. He can even go into the temple, back to his family and friends and to his God. But what had to happen in order for this to be accomplished? What ends up happening? Jesus ends up stuck outside of the town. Jesus ends up in desolate places. Here we get an incredible picture of the gospel. Because I, I think we can assume that Jesus knew this, what would happen. That he knew this man would disobey. That's the only explanation for why Jesus so sternly charges him and sends him away. Nevertheless, even though Jesus knew the consequences of healing this man, he healed him anyway. He wanted to heal him anyway, even though he wouldn't listen, even though it would have devastating effects for Jesus and his ministry. He wanted to heal this man. He knew that heal it by healing him, he would end up, in a sense, trading places with him. But he did it anyway. And that uh, is just the beginning of this message, this message that will actually come up throughout Mark, this message a Savior who's willing to trade places with even people like lepers, even with people like you and me. As wonderful as this story is, it's by looking to the cross that we can see even more powerfully and clearly that Jesus is both willing and able to cleanse us, even though to cleanse you 
even though to cleanse me, it would mean trading places with us. Jesus is willing to cleanse you. How willing is Jesus Christ to cleanse you today? So willing that he was willing to go to the point of a brutal death on the cross in your place. He laid down his life for the joy set before him, the joy of washing you clean, of washing me clean. He took the leper's place in the wilderness. He took your place and mine on the cross. More than that, Jesus is able to cleanse us. How able is he? He is perfectly able because he took the full weight of the rejection that you deserved and I deserved. He bore the full course uh, that we deserved in our place. He lived the life that we should have lived and the death we should have died. And as he gave up his spirit, he declared once and for all, it is finished. By his life and death and resurrection, he's shown himself perfectly able to bring us back to God now and forever. We are welcomed in because he was cast out in our place. So as people racked with sin and guilt, wretched and unclean from the inside out, even from birth, uh, we can look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and praise him. He's the one and only Savior who is both willing and able to cleanse, both willing and able to forgive. This is such wonderful news. And it's the wonderful news not only pictured in baptism, but also the wonderful news we're about to celebrate with a meal as we remember and participate with the one who is both willing and able to help us, willing and able to bring us into fellowship with each other as a church, willing and able to bring you back into fellowship with a holy God. Only one Savior was able to do that, and that Savior is willing, even though it meant having his body broken, even though it meant having his blood poured out, he was willing and he was able. And in this life, it can be so hard to find people who are both willing and able to help, can't it? Just think of the three lepers that we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, of how far they needed to go just for the little bit of help that Dr. Jesse Brand was willing and able to offer. How much further should we be willing to go to fall at the feet of Jesus Christ? Because God has sent a much greater physician than Dr. Jesse Brandt, one who's willing and able to help, not just with our physical condition, not just with the symptoms that we often get distracted by, but the one who's willing and able to cleanse our souls. So I urge you this day, this week, go to him. He is willing and able. Be cleansed. Let's sing in response. Hymn 81, stanzas 1, 3, and 4.